Hello and welcome to the Fresh Air Sci-Fi Show. I am Joe. I am Philip. Today we have a guest with us, uh, Alistair. Yes, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Just debating on Twitter as usual. So. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. It's all a trap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it takes a while to, to sort of get used to that and, and figure out that maybe it's it's not that worth it like in, in most cases at least i i've engaged in, and i've had some discussions like very rare discussions that were actually very productive but for the most part uh they're pretty pretty poor in quality yeah they tend to be don't they um yeah <laughs> it's uh i get really frustrated with a, a lot of the twitter discussions because i think part of it the, the format is is just because it's so short messages everybody comes across as being really short with each other and then there are some people that want really complex things explained to them in really tiny things as well it just gets really 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 frustrating but what have you been uh, debating today alistair well i this guy did like a really bait tweet saying how the problem of evil is like bullshit basically like it doesn't mean anything and I just asked him to give me his objection to the argument, and he just uh, he just didn't do anything basically. <laughs> so it's really frustrating. I think. But, well, he claims that he read, he's been reading it for twenty five years, and he couldn't even, you know, give me an objection. Yeah, so. I, f- I think he actually said that he was like that he was studying apologetics or something for twenty five years, and not not necessarily, you know. Um, Sort of objections in philosophy of religion, at least to to the theism. I, I mean, at least this is my impression because, like, from from what I've seen, uh, like, often he makes the sort of commentary that seems very naive and uh, not really well informed, as as the answer was that he gave you. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, the guy uh, has no nothing really to to go on. It's just one of those. Oh, it's just bullshit, and that's his only argument yeah he seems he seems to be one of those guys that sort of uh you know sort of spits out uh like common sort of apologetic rhetoric like uh, sort of um you know frank turek style stuff uh, at least like i've seen some of his takes and and like his recent ones and even not even his worst one and it's yeah it's just a bit unfortunate to see to see this happening uh but yeah, especially especially if it is accompanied with sort of this sky high confidence, you know, because many people have this sort of deadly combination of of knowing very little about the topic and then sort of pairing with that uh, very very high level of confidence, uh, which is sort of mismatched, and that that mismatch is sort of evident uh, and and yeah. it's quite annoying and can be annoying. And this is, by the way, true for the atheist side as well, like very commonly. Oh um, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. It was weird because after yeah. Because after just... engaging with him, oh sorry, he asked he asked me to give me the argument, like, but I thought he already knew what the argument was, so I, I think I was, I was playing at a too high level for him, so I had to, I just gave up at that point basically. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that seems to be the case. Yeah, like he said, like hidden is, is something like, oh yeah, but God is not hidden or something, as if that was sort of the Schellenberg's argument. Like it is, it is in that direction, I guess. But it's not like it's a Like it's not really looking at the premises of non-resistant non-belief and, and stuff like that. So uh, it seemed very naive um, from what I, from what I could tell, at least. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Okay. 
Yeah, um, I mean, so the, the arrogance that you actually speak of as well uh, is is definitely very um, present in the, the the atheist community online as well. I mean, look how many are, are pigeon chesting over the comparison between um, Santa, Santa. And, and you can try and just explain to them why that isn't a, a good example, and they just sit there and reassert, yes, it is because they're both mythical. Uh, okay, yeah, but you don't only lack a belief in Santa, do you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you can you can see through some of these inconsistencies fairly easily um, with with a lot of a lot of that. And again, I, I don't mind people like I don't want to sound sort of. I'm trying at least not to sound sort of elitist, if that's a word, and and be like, oh yeah, you don't know, because like there's nothing wrong uh, if, if no, you don't think, like know much about this. It's just like if if you if you don't. Like at least listen or be all open to listening. I think attitude is very important when, when you sort of try to engage in, in, in discussions. I mean, so, I completely agree yeah. with you. There's nothing wrong with ignorance. I mean, if if anything's apparent from these streams that we do is how little I know about everything. <laughs> you know, but I, I get taught new things every single stream by loads of people. And uh, Alistair is here today to actually uh teach me a little bit more aren't you alistair yeah so i was wondering where do we want to start then on I this think... human miracle stuff well before yeah, we I start think... on the hum uh, human That's miracles and testimony i think you should tell us just a little bit about yourself just so uh the audience can get to know you right so i'm well first of all i am a philosophy student at well i'm just about to start in edinburgh right now in philosophy I run a Twitter. I run a Twitter, Alistair Ware, which is just my name actually. Okay, I kind of regret putting my name on online, but it will do. <laughs> and well, I'm an atheist, obviously, from just looking at my Twitter. <laughs> so, and I've I've read quite a bit of human stuff. So, I think well, I'm quite passionate about this particular topic. So, I think it would be good to get started. Yeah, I think I think that's that's where we should start because i've seen you sort of um like you seem to be very passionate about a particular thing where sort of apologists sort of misread uh, a particular passage in, in hume's argument against miracles and so maybe maybe that would be a good a good way to start i think yeah so one so i think we should start with defining what a miracle is actually i think mm, yeah, that's, that's a very and, and say, maybe draw the line between how people use it colloquially and what it actually ought to be understood as. Yeah. So colloquially, a lot of people use it to mean like some weird coincidence or very unlikely event. So a lot of people would just casually use the word miracle in that context. But I think when discussing it here, Hume defines it as a violation of the laws of nature, which for Hume just means regularities in nature that we experience all the time. So an example would be, well, obviously Jesus physically rising from the dead, that would violate uh, like conservation of energy or no known laws of science or just regularities and experience that we all experience all the time. So one common misunderstanding is that Hume says that miracles are impossible, but from my reading, I think most people's readings of human miracles he doesn't actually say that he says that or he in principle he allows the possibility of it but he has an argument against identifying miracles uh as the most probable occurrence so mm. yeah so, 
So, I mean, something like uh, if I uh, was in a bus, uh, the bus got derailed and um, I was at the bottom of a lake and I could suddenly breathe underwater and suddenly rescue all the passengers, that would be something that was miraculous because humans can't breathe underwater. Yeah, that'd be a pretty good example. Whereas if it was just someone getting an adrenaline rush and being able to lift a car or something like that where they wouldn't usually, that wouldn't be miraculous. That would just be something that's incredibly unlikely, but it does happen. Yeah, so I think that's very important to get because you know a lot of people like to use the term miracle in a very like informal way, yeah. but we're in, we're in a very like philosophical context here, so that's important to keep in mind. Yeah, I think- I think a lot of religious people like to use miracle as well in this informal way. And that leads to some sort of confusion oftentimes because like, for example, when someone sort of gets cured of a very sort of serious disease, they'll say that it's a miracle or something. But like the possibility was there, of course, for, for it to happen. It's just that it was very unlikely. And and then, then they'll say that it's a miracle. But like in, in the way Hume sort of understood the term, it seems that this is sort of a distinction that's worth pointing out that it's not uh, the same thing, essentially. Yeah, so that's very important to keep in mind. So do you want to just get to his main argument, basically, why why he thinks that, well, so I think we should start with, there's this quote I want to read from his essay, which is, goes, no testimony is sufficient to establish a miracle unless the testimony be such a kind that its falsehood would be more miraculous than the fact that it endeavours to establish. So what he's saying here is that when when we're given a piece of testimony like uh just from an individual we should always be asking what is more likely that the person that the person is genuinely mistaken or is deliberately trying to deceive us or that the laws of nature were actually suspended in that person's favor and a genuine miracle happened so when we're given the testimony we have to weigh up these two scenarios and basically, if it's more miraculous that the testimony is false, then we'd be justified in believing in the miracle. That's a very informal <laughs> way to put it. Yeah, that's a very good way to put it. Yeah, I mean, I understood um, it, so there you go. <laughs> yeah, I think like the way I've seen many sort of apologists spin it, it seems to be that they they just like try to to. Um, they'll try to say something like, you know, as you as you pointed out earlier, that sort of Hume thinks that miracles are impossible in in a, in a way. But like this passage alone, I think demonstrates that he he has some sort of um, condition uh, on on which sort of a miracle could be believed rationally. Like I know it's not like the only way, and and I think we can get into sort of um, the development of Hume's thought in this in this regard, like sort of objections from from Christians. And then sort of that that could be a very interesting sort of discussion to have. Um, but in general, I think it's would you say it, it, that it is a straw man to say that, you know, uh, to to present Hume's thought as um, saying that miracles are impossible? Yes, absolutely. I would say so. Just just reading his essay of miracles, I th- it's really hard to come away with that interpretation, in my opinion. And he even gives examples of where testimony might be enough to believe in a miracle at the very end of his essay he says that like if if an event had like universal testimony from around the globe or testing to this exact, exact same event 
that would probably be enough to establish a miracle. So I don't, I honestly don't know where that interpretation comes from. That you said it's a miracle, you said it's impossible, because either this they just haven't read the essay or they just parrot other apologists misrepresenting it. Very. I mean, very there's definitely. Sorry, go ahead. Now it's finished. Okay. No, I just, I just like, I mean, there's definitely value in in argumentation, I guess, because it's easier. But this is true of pretty much every straw man. You know, they exist because it makes it easier to sort of devalue or attack someone. And I think this is a very sort of cheap tactic um, sort of to 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 corner or or commit someone that wants to defend Hume's views uh, somewhere where you know it, it would be harder to argue from that position. And, and argue for the idea that miracles are impossible, but of course that's not that's not the case, and and you don't need to to be committed to that view to to sort of um, enjoy Hume's thoughts on 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 miracles, I guess. Yeah, Dave's just chimed in the chat saying that he says that there's no way to achieve the credence uh, necessarily for believing the testimony for a miracle, not that they're impossible. Uh, so, so I mean that that does make sense. It ties in with what you were saying. Yeah, um, yeah I think that's that's also very actually very interesting sort of uh, point. You know that one of the one of this would be sort of looking at it from from I guess an ontological perspective, almost like if if the miracle actually occurred or not, and and the other would be sort of more a, an epistemological point. You know, if we can establish through what through testimony or or any other means, sort of that it actually occurred even if it did occur or something like that. Yeah, and, and um, it, it makes sense that a single testimony alone in general wouldn't be enough to believe something like yeah. a miracle. It might be enough to, you know, if I told you I saw a man in the park um, standing dog shit or something like that, I mean, that's perfectly mundane, and you could probably accept my testimony and believe that I saw that thing. I mean, there's nothing I have to to gain from telling you this story. It's quite pointless and inane. Why would I even bother telling you this? I mean, am I really the sort of person to make up random crap like that? Now, in this particular instance, I did make that up. But <laughs> for the sake of the argument, you know, it's something that is much easier to to have the credence to accept um, as, as being the case. Whereas, you know, with a miracle, unless, like you said, Alistair, it's, you know, like, the entire world agreeing on the same thing, saying the exact same thing in the same way, having the same experience, etc., all having the same testimony, then it would be quite hard to for it to gain the credence. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, it is, yeah. Uh, go ahead. Like, yeah, just I just wanted to sort of like because again, I think I just want to sort of uh, continue on the point from like on the previous point. Like, if if you want to say that sort of miracles are impossible that seems to be like just a statement about the nature of, of reality almost right like there can can be miracles but then of course like that is one level then you could say that it's impossible to establish you know to rationally believe uh, that a miracle happened that would be a, an, again a different sort of statement and then you could say something weaker which is actually what i think hume was getting at which is sort of that it's like very um, difficult you know to establish that a miracle occurred because of these sort of conditions and because of these um, sort of because of the thinking uh, that that's employed about sort of the the testimony um, being almost always uh, more likely uh, false than actually a suspension of of the laws of the known laws of of nature. 
Um, yeah, I think it's important to keep in mind. I think Hume's argument is an epistem epistemological yeah. argument mainly. He's saying that yeah. we wouldn't be justified in believing miracles are most probable occurrence based on testimony. So it isn't even a conclusion that no miracles have or will occur. Exactly. exactly. A statement on that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we've done quite a few streams um, on on rationality and things like that, and uh, I mean that ties in quite nicely to it because it is something so out there to to have the justification to to believe something that is a real miracle not just an unlikely occurrence but an actual miracle i mean it's it's pretty out there especially if i'm telling someone else not even like me seeing something but me then trying to pass that what i saw on to to one of you guys uh there's no real justification <laughs> really no, <laughs> or at no, least not, not a good enough to mention that not to mention that we're working, we're not even working with direct testimony here. We're working sort of with um, like a historic account of testimony that is pretty old as well. Like that, that adds up, like for at least for Christianity as well. But uh, yeah, maybe, maybe we can leave that. I mean, I think we're getting ahead of, our, of ourselves a bit um, in the discussion. So I think like maybe uh, the next natural step would be to sort of sort of see how uh, Christians uh, have sort of responded to to Hume's argument and and how they um, like what is what is the way like if I'm a Christian let's say and mm -hmm. and I, I I read Hume right what 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 tools do I have to to argue against this sort of uh, argue against Hume essentially I think the main the main strategy would be okay so a single person a single person's testimony like saying a miracle occurred isn't really, it, se it seemed intuitive that that's a really bad basis to base like a miracle on. They could say, oh, if you have independent eyewitness testimony to a single event, that should be better than just one, one person saying it. So that would be one response, I guess, would be put forward. Yeah. So, so well, with in things like the, if, if they were to talk about something more current then, so there's obviously um, certain locations uh, around the world where they say they have healing powers, whether it's a, a healing pool or a rock or something like that. And a small percentage of people do have what they refer to as a miraculous recovery. Now, I think we would turn around and say, well, spontaneous recovery does happen sometimes. Um, but would that be closer to them having a better justification you know even if we wouldn't necessarily regard it as a miracle um i'm not sure to be honest i think uh, i'd have to think about that but it that wouldn't be a miracle in the sense that hume would say it is because we know it it doesn't violate any like laws of nature which yeah. is because we, we have uniform testimony in favor of the laws of nature holding for pretty much all of time. So any any testimony going against that is going to have a huge hurdle to overcome. So they'd have to somehow justify that this person had zero percent chance of recovery, even if it was a small percentage that they had as a as a recovery, then you know it it as we said, it's not impossible, therefore it's it's not a miracle. And by impossible I'm talking about breaking, you know, the laws of physics, etc. Um the natural laws, should I say. Um, so even in that, that regard, uh, they'd still need something a little bit more crazy than that then. Um, 
Have have you heard any decent ish claims of miracles? You know, ones that actually made you go, oh, just for a minute before you looked into it a little bit further. Uh, to be honest, no. Like, <laughs> I mean, usually they come with a lot of assumptions or just saying, oh, how can we explain this naturally? So basically, it, they're not very convincing from what I've seen. And usually in the in the context here, I'm usually debating people on like Jesus's resurrection. And I don't really, a lot of people try to argue from like the eyewitness testimony there that a miracle's the most likely occurrence. And I don't, I'm just not convinced by that, by it that much, to be honest. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Like for me as well, I, I don't think I've ever, like maybe, maybe if you hit here, right, an account uh, just in face value, sometimes it happened at least to me that it was like, oh, wow, this is, this is really weird. But it, like I found time and time again that especially with this sort of stuff, um, the way people talk about it already sort of includes their conclusion about it, uh, and that sort of affects the narrative of what happened, right? So they they will see something, you know, and then um, they'll they'll sort of make a conclusion about it, and and they'll they'll find sort of oh this is a miracle in their head, something like that, right? And that will then affect the way they they sort of reported back and and that makes it sort of very very hard to sort of understand exactly what actually happened um to sort of then try to understand whether or not this actually is uh somewhat uh extraordinary or or in any way sort of uh close to something that we would consider miraculous yeah i mean it comes back to what we said at the beginning people often use it for something that seems incredibly unlikely but i think there's another layer which i think you were alluding to there some people are just a bit ignorant of the way things work and because they don't understand how something could happen they go well it must be a miracle because i've got no explanation for that yeah i think i think that happens i mean this this sort of ties into our previous stream that we did uh on sort of testimony as well and and we went over like a lot of this sort of things that can happen in terms of psychology and that was a very interesting sort of conversation as well um so i like i think most people should definitely be aware of how how actually bad uh in general eyewitness testimony is even even sort of today uh if you are in court or something eyewitness testimony is generally not exactly the best thing um and then, of course, you know, this just compounds the problems of, of eyewitness testimony from, from like a while back, let's just say. Yeah. Well, especially if you, you include things like the false memory and as, as you alluded to as well, the, the issue with the psychology, the sort of not exactly a group hallucination, but a group false memory because people are saying things in a certain way and the story gets exaggerated and people, you know, it shimmers out and all of a sudden everybody believes that they saw something that they didn't. And again, so we've got you know, uh, genuine occurrences of this happen. There's been studies showing how this can happen. It seems more likely that the natural thing happened and that whatever happened with the Jesus character, um, it wasn't a resurrection. Uh, it's just that people were convinced in some way and had a false memory of the re resurrection. I've actually got a pretty humorous example of this. So, I'm sure are you guys familiar with the Roswell um, alien spacecraft conspiracy. Yes, all? that was in the was that in the fifties, so. Roswell, New Mexico. Yeah. So what really happened was they found a bunch of 
metal in the desert, right? Just, and then from this incident, 30 years later, we have a whole conspiracy about how the US government is experimenting on aliens and doing experiments and all that. So it, people, legends can develop very quickly within a very short space of time, just from word of mouth and people passing it about. So it's very, you can see this real time, actually just looking back through history when we know for a fact what happened and then people go spread about all these stories about it. So it's very interesting actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah this, is, like, this is very interesting in general. Well, you think about stories told through uh, oral tradition, tradition anyway, uh, especially when things weren't written down and people would exaggerate. They'd embellish on their stories to to make things a little bit more interesting. And stories do get exaggerated over time. And, and you know, someone might have been there, but hear this person's story and then be convinced that this person's telling because I was there and he's saying, you know, 70% of what actually happened. But this extra 30%, well, I... I you know, maybe I don't want to be the odd one out. Maybe that did happen. Yeah, actually, yeah, it definitely did happen. Um, but then an- another example of uh, of how testimony can be altered in the short space of time. Um, have you ever played the telephone game? Or you might know it if you're from the UK as Chinese Whispers, which probably isn't the PC term to use anymore, but that's what it was called uh, when we were at school. Do you ever play that one, Alistair? Yeah, I think everyone in the UK Play that one, I think. Yeah, we, we played it too multiple times from yeah. Italy. So if no one no one knows this one, I'm sure you all do, but you're all sat in a circle and one person has something they've got to say and they whisper into someone's ear and it whispers around and it gets to the person who is next to you and they shout out what it is. And I reckon 95% of the time it was not the same thing that you said. Most of the time it sounds somewhat similar but is altered enough to you go oh yeah i can you know but that's just an example of how in such a short space of time something slightly misheard from person to person to person morphs uh and of course occasionally you always have that person who decided to change it in the middle as well and just say something completely different um so again you know that that one might actually survive to the end (laughs) yeah but it you know I think that's a great experiment to play because it just shows how how much even even if you're trying because like a lot of the time people are genuinely trying to to relay the same information but it, it can be really hard uh, and it just goes to show how how easily this sort of information even even in a short span of time with just sort of like five passes or something it, it gets completely sort of uh, destroyed or modified yes um but anyway to to go back to sort of to the topic i think like the and as we sort of mentioned this already but like the the way um christian theists usually w- will argue against this sort of observation is that of course you know as as you said alistair um like with one testimony it's it's not enough but if you add sort of multiple testimonies then you, you can overcome this very low prior prior probability um and you, you can you can spell it out in Bayesian terms as well, sort of with calculus. Uh, and like I think some people did this. I think uh, Timothy McGrew, I think I, I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. He's he's very famous for sort of Bayesian approaches to um, the resurrection. And he has like I think I know I, I remember reading a paper of his, and and so I think his his papers published in the Blackwell Companion. 
uh, to natural theology as well. But um, sort of th this is the way you, you would usually you would usually do. Um, so so argue that multiple testimonies can or multiple lines of evidence can overcome this very low probability. Uh, do you have thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I do. I think so. If it has a very very low prior probability, then the explanatory power and how much expected you would see the evidence would have to be really high to overcome the initial low prior. And when we're talking miracle, I think it would be pretty much the lowest prior probability that could ever be assigned to any event ever. So it's really hard for me to see how they can even get over that, especially when we're talking about, you know, texts from religious traditions, which are very problematic historically, because I've 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 heard about Tim McGrew and he has a very conservative view of like scripture and everything like that. So he thinks that the gospels are historically reliably generally. And I don't think he's definitely not within the mainstream of that view. So I think it takes a lot of um it just takes a lot of like uh weird re reasoning to try and overcome this so low prior probability that it just seems it also seems like you need to have God existing in the background beforehand as well, because yeah, you need to you need to have some way of putting the prior probability up at least some bit, because otherwise it's just it's so astronomically low. So that would be my thoughts on it. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think, and this is something that is is a discussion as well. So we touched on a discussion that is going on in theist circle circles. Which is sort of is it better to argue sort of starting from the from the resurrection and then argue that that is true and therefore the theism and Christian theism is true, or is it better to go the other way around? And I think a lot of a lot of people, um, myself included, included, and I think Alistair as well would would say that you know if if you don't establish some form of of theism sort of throughout like with different arguments beforehand, like the the prior probability of of uh, of the miracle is so low that that you'll have a very 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 hard time to to even attempt to to overcome it because of course if you if you think that theism is is likely to a certain extent right that that should under that worldview it should sort of raise your prior probability i guess of of a miracle occurring because of course if it's established that a god exists that has the power to do these sorts of things then it's not as sort of weird. To, yeah, to... there's an interesting counter to that, that basically on theism, the laws of nature are God's will. So via negative uh, theology, nature tells us what God's will is not. So just from empirically, we know that God, if he does exist, basically never okay. intervenes unless unless it's the one that the Christians or the theists are claiming that it's the one time he did intervene, which was <laughs> in the resurrection. So just by a, a posteriori, we know that God has a very low tendency to do anything in nature. So even by even by that standard, it seems as though you st it's still quite low prior. I don't see how it, it raises it that much, but I can see why yeah, it would work a bit. In favour, I guess. Yeah, um... Okay. Another thing that I think I wanted to point out is that sort of the way the way this would have to work in order in order for you to make the case that sort of your testimony, your multiples sort of lines of evidence, um, will sort of overcome the prior probability. You know, the, the testimony has to be 
of a very specific kind. And that would be sort of truly independent, which is like a concept that we can get into. But like, if you have, like, if you want to use sort of different lines of testimony, um, you'd have to make sure that these do not sort of spill into each other, right? Because oftentimes, as we already mentioned, if someone says, oh, yeah, I saw this thing, then, then another might be compelled to do it because of social pressure or something like that. Uh, and that, of course, sort of would muddle um, the calculus, because if you want to do the calculus, you have to sort of assume that these people are truly independent in their reporting. Otherwise, you, you, you have to adjust it. And it's it's bad at that point. Yeah, there's there's a hell of a lot of things that can influence the testimony, um, <laughs> which, yeah, I I mean to be honest, it it seems to me that I can't really fathom a way um, that that could happen in reality um, to to justify believing any any miracle. Uh, as you mentioned, you know, it's even looking at the Bible. There were not many miracles that seem to occur in the in the in the Bible. I mean, there you, you could say things like uh, Jesus walking on on water and laying hands uh, could be miracles. I mean, I have justifications for what I think happened there as well, and I I think they were perfectly natural things as well. Um, but even if you include the number of things in the Bible like that and say this is all the miracles in the Bible, it still isn't a massive number of miraculous things. Um, but I do agree with what you've said, though, Philip. I think that trying to establish a God first rather than starting with the resurrection um, is definitely a better way to go, because if you're going to start with the the resurrection, well, it's a hell of a lot to justify, um, because when you start with a resurrection, you're already starting with the presumption that there is a God. Uh, and I think to, to speaking to someone like us, you'd have to justify to us of uh, this, this particular character, you know, raise the probability of this character existing in the first place for these miraculous things to happen, because apparently these miraculous things can only happen with a God. Yeah, that is true. But I, I guess you could, you could reason the other way around. Like, in, in a sense that you could make an argument, you know, sort of if this miracle occurred, then God exists. This miracle occurred, therefore God exists, or something like that. If 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 you wanted to reverse that game, you know, so you, you wouldn't have to assume necessarily that God exists. You would just use sort of the idea of this miracle occurring as like your primary uh, evidence, I guess, for introducing yeah. the concept of God. Um, but of course, like. I personally think that that approach uh, is destined to, to fail, uh, and I genu generally don't like when I see this try to employ this. I, I actually, many times I I'm sort of frustrated sometimes because I, I feel like it's not really clear how they're going about it, and they're sort of mixing everything into this pool. And but but that sort of is is dangerous because you could sort of reason a bit in in, in circle uh, if you if you do that sort of trying to sort of establish theism through the resurrection and then the resurrection through theism, right? So, so you would say, oh, theism is true because of the resurrection, and then, oh, the resurrection is true because God did it, and, and God, sort of because of the theism. Like, I'm not saying, I'm not throwing out accusations directly because I've never seen 
a really clear example of this, but sometimes the way sort of things spill out of someone, it, it seems to me that sometimes this clarity is is missing in 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 some argumentation. Yeah, it's not in I think it's not entirely sure how so if if you did that argument if miracles exist or if this particular miracle exists it happened then god exists this miracle happened therefore god exists like it's not clear to me how that that premise is good the first premise is going to be justified given yeah. that if if you don't have god existing beforehand you somehow have to rule out other supernatural hypotheses which will be able to explain the same same events so i don't i'm very confused when people try and run that argument against me so yeah that, that's my point. I, and equally yeah, justify guess, something as a miracle when it could be explained by other means yeah that, that too yeah i guess you could say like, you could argue in a in a sort of probabilistic sense that certain things are more expected if there actually is a, like for the first premise i mean right like for instance if jesus said that oh yeah this is because god my father did it or something Right, like that would be more expected if if the supernatural thing that el- allowed him to to do that is actually God, uh, rather than I don't know whatever other supernatural explanation you want. Uh, you know, it would be less expected for him to say this, I guess, if that were not the case. Um, but yeah, I, in general, I agree that both premises are really hard. Like, like the first premise would be very very hard. Or actually, the second premise would be very, very hard to establish, even if the miracle occurred somewhat recently, I think. Um, not to mention the fact that it did not occur very recently. So so that is just, you know, again, compounding the, the problems. Uh, amusing quote just came in um, from Alan in the chat. Um, he says, my point, once again, is not that those ancient people told little literal stories and we are now smart enough to take them symbolically, but that they told them symbolically and we are now dumb enough to take them literally. And that was by John Dominic Croissant. <laughs> I think there could be something to that, but uh, it's like we were talking about with, with, with the whole testimony thing again, you know, you get people talking about these events. Um, I, yes, there are certain things in the Bible that were definitely more poetic, like the Genesis account of creation and stuff like that and people do take them literally but i think some other things in the bible were originally accounts of things that were happening but they just got exaggerated and mythicized over time um so yeah i think it's a bit of both really um and obviously we've got the issues where you know if there really was te- you know some of the testimonies that like got the testimony of the resurrection we still run into all the problems that we've mentioned so far with testimony the the false me- memories and how people can be easily influenced and they interact with each other and they talk to each other about the experience which again lowers the credence of it actually being the thing because they start agreeing with each other and they still building all these other dimensions to it in their own heads um and and the fact that it could be explained a much easier way you know perhaps he just wasn't dead (laughs) he he was knackered man (laughs) yeah i think like i've seen a lot of theists claim that it's it's sort of hard to explain um the resurrection in sort of naturalistic terms um 
I, I, I guess I wanted your thoughts on that as well, Alistair, because I, I personally don't see that. Like maybe maybe I'm sort of not aware of something because to be to be fair, I'm not exactly like that well informed on sort of the resurrection and and all of that discussion, right? Like I, I'm tangentially informed. I'm I'm not really deep into that. Um, but I like right. from from my overall perspective, I just don't I don't see why it would be this problematic. I think it. a lot of people want one single cause to explain about five or six facts surrounding the resurrection. And I don't, I don't understand where that comes from exactly. So a lot of people want one natural ex explanation which will have all the explanatory power to do yeah. all the work explaining every, all the documents we have. I think, like everything else, it's going to be a very complicated mix of all these different factors going into one single event. So I, that, I think the demand for one naturalistic cause, which explains everything, is not, not something that people need to concede, that they need to give. So even, so even though that, let's say, you'd explain some of the appearances by hallucinations, like group hallucinations, sometimes people say that, even though that prior is very low, so that's one naturalistic event, you could also invoke other events that will explain the data, but you'd have to multiply those two priors together, obviously, because they, you're invoking more events to explain it. So, if it just that's that's the problem I see: wanting one thing to explain everything, which I don't I don't know why people fall into that for some reason. Perhaps it's yeah. because of the well, we can explain it with one thing. God, there you go. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah. So they expect the naturalists to, to have their the version same thing. of that. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah, I agree with you as well here. Like I've seen this a lot, you know, you'll you'll say maybe even in, in a tweet, speaking of Twitter, right? Because um you have a limited amount of characters, you just mention sort of maybe maybe they sort of were mistaken, or maybe you'll mention, you know, maybe they, some of some of them lied or something, right? And then they'll go on a rant about how, you know. Oh, but it cannot be that they all lied and, and stuff like that, as if you were trying to explain everything, as you said, through through them lying or being malicious in some sense. Um, when in fact you, you could just name stuff, uh, but you didn't have the time to sort of actually properly sort of explain explain that. Also, I I don't like, although of course I would say that it's simpler in in some sense, at least not maybe not simpler, but easier to say, oh it actually happened, that the resurrection actually happened, right? Because that sort of fits all the data of the narrative, but that sort of makes sense because the narrative was built around that actually happening. So, so the data that we have would, of course, fit that, uh, that hypothesis. And everything that sort of derails from that is going to have, like, it's going to be less elegant, if you will. Um, but like, as we mentioned, uh, the, the prior probabilities of that and all, all, all of that discussion, I think, is... Um, it's fair to say, at least from my perspective, that I have a very hard time seeing how, how it could be uh, established. Especially if uh, you think that a lot of the gospel narratives are sometimes deliberately uh, made to be parables or something like that. Because uh, John Dominic Crossan actually has a whole book where he argues that, that all the gospels are just extended parables of um, the teachings of Jesus in for some sort of political message. So it's very... It depends. I know. Just, I agree with you, Philip. That it, I just really don't see how 
God raising from the dead and like, you know, violating the laws of nature is going to be the most likely explanation for that, for, for these facts. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think between us, we could probably think of a number of things that it could be. I know we've already mentioned a, a, a few um, previously, but I mean, Alistair, what do you think are some likely causes for these eyewitness accounts? Or what well, I'd actually say, happened? Well, I'd say confirmation bias, hallucinations, gr- grieving over, you know, lost ones, uh, you know, being in a community all thinks the same thing. So there's some sort of peer pressure at the same time. So like a whole multitude of things could come together to yeah. explain a lot of this stuff. Yeah. Like what, one of the things that I sometimes think about is like, I, I think many, many people, when you, when you talk about sort of the resurrection, not being, not actually happening will sort of try to accuse you of accusing them of, of sort of, uh, malicious intent or something or of of lying or uh or something like that and i don't i don't like that and i think like at least i could imagine that that the reason why um some of this came about maybe it's just like completely like a completely understandable um reason like for instance they really really believed in jesus or something like that they really believed in the messages of jesus like i mean i think at least I would be happy to admit that Jesus, especially at the time, did actually um, introduce a lot of sort of ethical um, innovation into the area. Um, maybe sort of rephrasing it, making it clear, right? But but I do think that uh, that that some of his teachings actually were quite 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 interesting, and and some of them are I would actually say are still relevant. Um, so maybe maybe they were just part of this movement and that they really believe in the message. And so when when the prediction that this leader of theirs didn't come true, um, they sort of were incentivized to sort of do something about it, to, to keep it going, because the, the actual narrative and the actual message of that was so positive and, and had such a good impact on, on, on people. So sometimes like, I don't want to spin them as sort of liars and they just did it for, I don't know, the money or being, popular, whatever, because that actually wouldn't wouldn't fit some of the data that we have about them being persecuted as well. Um, I think I think you could actually come up with a narrative of them doing this for for good reason. Or, yeah, it can be a sincere belief, but they're just yeah. you know just mistaken sincere belief as well. So yeah. and I'd I'd push back on the martyrdom thing there because we really don't well for a lot of the disciples, we really don't know whether, you know, they were martyred for their beliefs. I, I think that's a common apologetics talking point, which is just unfounded in my view. So okay, yeah, yeah, that's that's another point. Like I, I again, I, I I haven't actually looked deeply into this, so uh, like I'm happy to be corrected on on some of these points. Um, also, like the other thing you you mentioned before, sort of blowing out of proportion stuff over time. I think we have. We have good reason to think that that might be the case just by looking at how these accounts were written, uh, because you can you can see sort of a gradual, um, you know, f- from the earliest account of what actually happened, they're the simplest, and then if you continue over time, they become more and more spectacular, and and more and more things are added into them, um, and more incredible things happen to the point where some of these accounts then actually were uh and not actually considered uh, official by the church anymore um so so that i think would be expected if if this 
um, account actually would it, or is um, not not maybe purposefully fabricated, but at least sort of you can you can see the growth of a myth in there. I think I mean there's good reason to think that a lot of this is unreliable. Yeah, a lot of people mention how if you read the Gospel of John, which is the latest gospel, it is very compared to the other ones. There's a lot more in there which is very like questionable and. And some yeah, of it is is trying to make it much more explicit that Jesus is God and is divine in a very explicit way, where the other ones are much more, they're not as, you know, that explicit about it, and they're a lot more stripped back. So you can see like in the development of the text, so they are getting more and more like developed into like mythology. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so in terms of the things that I mentioned earlier about sort of the... Um, the independence of witnesses. I think that is like an interesting point because there have been quite a few sort of, I think even papers on and in discussions on the matter because like this uh, whole um, multiple witnesses objections is quite popular with with Hume. Um, and actually, I, I'm I'm drawing a lot of my thinking as well from that. There is uh, a paper from Arif Ahmed, uh, which is sort of titled Hume and the Independent Witnesses. And he had actually a really, really great talk with uh, Alex Malpass on his channel. Uh, yeah, I've, I've listened about, to that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, he makes a lot of interesting observations there as well, I think. Um, for instance, like about how how this sort of independence should, should be set up in order for it to be actually viable for this sort of probability calculus, um, which is very... Um, demanding in a way because like when you see what like i think he envisions incorrect me if i'm wrong uh if i remember it incorrectly but i think he envisions even at, at some point like sort of a prison where sort of uh people are in, like every uh, witness is in their own cell and they cannot communicate and they have sort of a perfect view of a stage in the middle where this miracle is supposed to, to happen and, and he makes sort of a very interesting setup there, conceptual setup, for it to actually lead to um, um, a setup of multiple witnesses that are actually truly independent in the way that sort of some of these arguments uh, would require to, to overcome this, this prior probability. Yeah, I think his, his point there was the more people that will witness that event and claim it was a miracle, the more confident you should be in the strength of the illusion that they're seeing that, as well, thing. rather than yes. it being a miracle. So his point is, what we really want is independence of type of evidence, which would yes. really be which would really be impressive. So like uh, video, like pictures, like cameras, plus testimony. So all different types of evidence into one conclusion. So I think, if I remember correctly, that that's what his point was. There. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that that was that was also talked about. I thought that was really interesting because he. He also mentioned, you know, that you can, for, for every sort of, um, I mean, it, when you raise this, uh, the probability of this miracle claim, you could simultaneously raise the probability of sort of a, um, another hypothesis, which sort of fits the data that is still compatible with, with sort of na a naturalistic uh, worldview, like, like the strength of the illusion, or like even, even sort of a broken, a broken something right like it, it, in the sense if you have if you have um i don't know an optical sensor or something through which something is captured 
and every sort of witness um, has a picture of of this miracle happening from this sensor. Right? You, you could say, oh well, these independent photographs right raise the probability in a sense of of this uh, you know miracle or something. But at the same time, you could say that they also raise the probability of there actually being a defect in the sensor. Right, like because that hypothesis that that there is a defect in the sensor that captured the images, if it's the same sensor across all of these sort of uh, apparatus, uh, then that that would fit sort of that would that would that hypothesis would be raised uh, simultaneously with with this uh, miracle hypothesis because that fits the data just as well. So in that in that regard, when you're talking about the same type of sensor, say for example, if everybody had the exact model and make of phone they'd all have the same sort of sensor on their phone so whatever they're recording um it could uh, you know the 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 miracle could be set up in such a way that it actually interacts with that particular device in such a way that it confuses the sensor is that what you're trying to get yeah, at there? that's that's kind of what i'm getting at yes like so you would say if, well these independent accounts right because you could say they're independent right in a sense but but at the same time you know, you could you could you could have this other uh, probability of uh, that rises because of the fact that they are all using the same sensor. And in but the same they, way, you could, you could talk about your eye or something, right? Like because your eye is sort of all the same sort of sensor. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. you could say that that you, that your eye, like if if there is an illusion that fools your eye in a particular way, right? Um, the probability of of the eye having some sort of blind spot or something. And that accounts for the miracle testimony is also risen by by just these independent testimonies, uh, and not just the idea that it actually was a miracle, but also this other hypothesis is strengthened strengthened in the same way, I guess. So, in to to get around that, you'd need a variety of different devices, and you'd need some of them to be analog as well. And for the 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 recordings in in this particular instance to be taken directly and kept in a, a room, so like someone records it, but it's taken straight away and locked into thing till a separate independent viewer can then review that particular thing and yeah. have multiple different ones, and they need to be different lenses, different types of sensors, and so on and so forth, um, because if they were that different it would be a lot harder to justify that all of them were uh you know affected in the same way unless they had particular commonalities that could be exploited yeah like that's why i think he points out and as alistair pointed out um that you know you would need like different types of evidence not not just sort of like Say, like people saying the same thing. Uh, like even if even if you grant this idea of true independence, you would have to sort of then um, you would have to have multiple lines of evidence that are not subject to the same potential exploit in in a way. Like maybe that that's the best best way to put it. So you were saying about this this um, this experiment and how he was setting up all of these different parameters. Uh, where does that take us to next? Um, so, like, I don't. I, I've listened to it a while back, but I think we actually covered most of it. Like, uh, do you have something to add, Alistair? On, uh, on this? I wasn't. Yeah, that's pretty much what I can remember from from that yeah. podcast. I, I read the paper like ages ago, but I can't remember exactly what it said. 
Yeah, like I think um, there, there was this talk about like how like how this independence would need to be set up in order to sort of introduce um, or make it more likely um, than or overcome this low priors. And, and then there was a discussion about like the types of evidence and how, how that could, could sort of be um, exploited as well. It was a really, really interesting conversation. I actually sort of um, recommend both, both the discussion and the paper. Uh, although the paper is a bit uh, like I, I many many things escaped me in the paper because like there is some pretty heavy probability calculus in there as well. So yeah, need to plug it into a database <laughs> to even be able to follow it. Yeah, like I'm I'm not that that well versed in in sort of probability. Yeah, calculus. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not an expert on that stuff either. So it takes. Have to read it over like a hundred times to get yeah. to get it. <laughs> yeah, me too. The discussion was definitely easier to follow. It was more sort of yeah, meant meant for a broader audience, I guess. So, well, with that in mind, it, even with these different sources, uh, we can still think of ways how there could be commonalities that could be exploited. And uh, as you mentioned, the the calculus is is incredibly uh, complicated to get to, but what do you think the the best the actual best way we could set up something to verify uh, a menu a, a menu <laughs> a miracle <laughs> miracle God what's wrong with me wordsing I think if if it's possible to do like a controlled experiment where we know like this event will happen at this time and then we set up all the equipment to see what we detect at that moment and we get all different types of evidence which are independent from one another so we have like on a hundred witnesses plus cctv footage plus i don't know like bystanders taking photographs on their phones just all these all these different lines of evidence pointing to one conclusion and i think it would be at that point it would be pretty hard to deny that the event happened so that's that at least would be my best go at like this is how you'd prove it one hundred percent. So, do you think there's I, any I reason to believe any miracle claimed by any particular religion? Um, apart from like, on the pragmatic reasons, I uh, no. To be honest, <laughs> yeah, me, me, me too. I am pretty skeptical of that. Like, I think it's an, one, oh, yeah, go sorry, ahead, it's go important ahead. to note that. Hume's essay was actually because in his day, most people thought that oh, the testimony here in the Christian tradition, oh, it proves that Christianity is true, and we just on this testimony we can believe that Christianity is the correct religion. So Hume's kind of in the context of Hume's essay, he's kind of reacting to this whole like religious tradition that most people dis disagreed with him at that time. So kind of why Hume is such a badass to be honest. <laughs> there's a lot of hate on Hume uh, and like I some, some of it is warranted I think uh, some of it is is less warranted uh, especially when, when talking about his contribution to, to philosophy I think that I, I don't understand really the criticism uh, some of the time apart from emotivism <laughs> yeah like he, he was he was not really a very I mean it, it was I'm not trying to make excuses but at the time it was 
I guess many people were like that, but he was like pretty much a racist. Um, like I think it's it's yeah, not, it's not really yeah, it's not controversial to say that he was. Um, but like his philosophical work, I, I don't think uh, that sort of diminishes uh, the value of some of his philosophical uh, intuitions and and, and uh, philosophical um, yeah thoughts in a way. Can you think of oh, anything? Oh. Sorry, go for a lot it. of people don't. A lot of people don't like his view on if you've read human enough, you'd know his view about the self and what that entails. So, because of his view of properties, he's in a way he says that the self is an illusion because there's no there's no underlying substance which basically grounds that I'm an individual, the same individual over a specific period of time. So he's there's actually a lot of there's a lot of connections between Hume and Buddhism and his view of the self and a lot of a lot of like i don't know more theist or religiously inclined people don't really i'm not going to connect well with that view of the self because it's more it's more part of the eastern tradition of religion that uh, the self doesn't really exist so yeah yeah like i've i've read his um his dialogues i mean that, that was the easiest thing that i've read from him and and i really enjoyed that especially like he had some really interesting thoughts, especially uh, because it, he, it was like um, pre-Darwin and pre-evolution. I think a lot of the discussions there are really sort of interesting to me because um, you could feel like the weight of some of the um, um, arguments from the time uh, at the time. Like it was sort of felt differently, um, and and that was really interesting. Um, to, to read through, to see how sort of these characters interacted through that. And, and that even at the time, you know, there were some points to be made about that, that, that were sort of casting doubt on that sort of line of reasoning. Um, yeah. I'd recommend anyone read Hume's dialogues on natural religion. It's yeah. actually, it's really well written, actually. It's pretty entertaining. Uh, to yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. You have, you, have, yeah, and you have the characters and then at some point someone just leaves and it's, it's, it's really really well written uh, work of his like I've, I've read um i don't remember like i have an entire sort of uh book but i just read one of the many books he has written and they're all sort of uh collected under under one thing but like um some of the other stuff uh, i have had a hard time sort of wrapping my head around and, and, and reading through it was it's not always the easiest thing in general to read philosophy um but um yeah Maybe maybe because I'm not, I'm not an English native as well, so so it was a bit harder for me. Damn, what's my excuse? <laughs> I'm a lazy idiot. There we go. Sort it. <laughs> I mean, you have a lot going on in your life, so it's, it's not like you. Uh, but anyway, no, no, I, I, think... I was just going to say, like reading some philosophical things, like, I spend more time referencing other things that they're writing about in it, just trying to get an understanding and go, you can sometimes spend days reading the same, same bit and other bits just flow through. And they're just like, yep, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. All of this, it's all in, but some, some bits that I find when I'm sitting there reading, I just, I just don't know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, but like going, going back to the previous point about how, how to establish, um, how would would I would need to establish a miracle? I guess I think Alistair's points were great. I think that that works for me too. Uh, in a slightly different 
view. I've I've been thinking about this, and I actually I've seen some other person post this on Twitter as well. But like the idea that maybe we will someday discover another planet, and and if on this planet, you know, there were people, and like there was like a very similar account of of a thing happening around the same time, um, you know, with with the resurrection and all of that. I think like maybe that's not exactly an orthodox way to look at look at the miracle itself but i think that would that would probably change my mind uh, if if we have this sort of same uh, exact uh, type of character um with a very similar event happening or being reported um because to me that would make sense given given christian theism right it would it would strongly sort of be uh, indicative of that, given that if a God exists, it would like God would want to presumably everyone to know about him and and save everyone and all, and all of that. Um, and so, how similar would they like have to be? Yeah, that, that's between a good them question. because there's that's a lot a of like question. you know like dying and rising gods and all that. So that's, be interesting to true. see. That. Yeah, it was, yeah. Symbols and everything would have to be the same, wouldn't they? I mean, yeah, symbols and 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 names of characters and uh, something like that, uh, I guess. And like teachings and details of the teachings. Uh, so, like if they had, the, yeah, if they had the exact same like scripture, like verse by verse, that'd yeah, be pretty, I mean, that, that'd be pretty impressive. <laughs> that that would be that would be pretty good. That would be pretty good evidence. And um, we 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 haven't sent off you know copies of the bible uh into space have we i i don't think so yeah they just found because this book and they they managed to decipher it <laughs> yeah a, a meteor came down and there was a book in it i mean that, that <laughs> sort of makes sense to start a religion if you have to start in the, if you have to start a religion anything that that would be a pretty pretty interesting way to, to start one i guess with the meat, yeah. Yeah. And like I think maybe the next thing we could talk about is, and I've seen some skeptics um talk about this, is how how sort of um the skepticism towards um miracles and towards the resurrection can be framed uh in terms of an argument from maybe hiddenness in a sense, sort of you know, um like, so you mean why, as in, why so. would why would a god um, put a, a miracle like this very important miracle like in into such a such a place and time uh, and, and in general in such a configuration that it would be very hard for some other people to sort of reference that and and be confident in that um, not to mention the locality of it the fact that it was just in one part of the of the world uh, and, and all sorts of the considerations about that i think that is an interesting conversation to have yeah in 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 the in the sense that if there is this all-powerful deity um it could actually do something and it wants to be known right and it wants to yeah, be worshipped it wants to yeah. save us <laughs> and um it could do something that influences absolutely everybody on the planet to have an experience you know to Every single person has a vision of the resurrection that's alive at the time, and everybody from around the world writes it down, and everybody's account is exactly the same, um, rather than, as you say, Philip, just such a small uh, locale. Um, sh- 
surely an all-knowing God would know that most people in years to come are not going to believe this story. I think it's even more problematic if you view like someone's eternal destiny is like riding on basically believing in this and then, you know, so it seems if God's plan is to get, well, William Lane Craig says this a lot, if God's plan is to get as many people saved as possible in the course of history, it does seem rather odd that he would like reveal himself to like, I don't know, a small, a small bunch of like illiterate people like 2000 years ago. Like yeah. it seems very weird. Seems really, really weird. Like I think one of the things that could boost my confidence, forget about other planets, right? Like even if we had just in different cultures around the world, like around the same time, dated around the same time, there would be some sort of writing or something that a miracle happened there and, and they was sort of similar or, or sort of referencing what was happening uh, during the resurrection, right? That that could be that, that would make sense to me. Uh, it, it doesn't really like, especially because we're already talking about a um, sort of intervention from God in the, in this case, right? It's I I don't know if it's because I think theists sometimes will say, well, well, he can't. Like, that there's this weird thing uh, about theists sometimes that they will argue that God cannot intervene willy-nilly because if he does, then he'll he'll make sort of nature unintelligible and stuff like that. I've seen this argued, and I'm just completely weirded out about it. Uh, oftentimes, because I don't see how that how that is supposed to work. But even even if you grant that, right, like he's already doing something along those lines, and and this would just be a, f a thing that would boost uh, the credibility and and the uh, how broadly the message is received in a sense. So it would it would be expected in my in my view. Um, that this would happen, at least at the time, if not in, if not even more, that there would be some sort of way to for future generations to then understand what happened. Um, Thank you. I would, I would expect like uh, we'd have just, or at least universally, there'd be this like experiential awareness of God, just because God can do that, right? He can have, he can make people have experiences of Him all the time. So He supposedly causes religious experiences, right? So. It seems it seems rather weird to me that this is how the world is, if and all, if the God exists. Yeah, that's pretty much yeah, a very very compelling argument for atheism. It's it's really weird that the world is the way it is, given given an all loving, omnipotent, omniscient God. Well, on that one, um, the all loving bit isn't is it's actually just benevolent. It's all powerful and all knowing. But it's just that he's benevolent. But he's still supposed to be loving. It's just that he's not all loving. Um, that bit's more implicit than explicit. So I know some theists that will argue that, well, no, he's not all loving because you know, some will and some won't. Um, Dave has also just made a comment saying, doesn't Craig argue something like that the Bible spreading from such a small area then traveling across the globe adds validity to it or something like that? Um he, he might do, I don't know, but I think from the fact there are another a number of religions that have done that and loads of ideas that have spread across the globe um, sort of just goes, well, it's quite easy to see this happening. So I would say it doesn't necessarily add validity to it to, uh, as far as I'm concerned. It needs something a little bit more. It needs, uh, you know, for the Bible to be somewhat miraculous to me, it would need to have some form of 
um, science or something that we weren't going to discover for, you know, thousands of years. And then all of a sudden it's actually accurately described uh, a number of things um, maybe things like the particle accelerator and the Higgs boson and stuff like that. If that had been in the Bible, um, the, the, then we'd have gone, blimey, they knew that 2,000 years ago. Or, uh, but then, I mean, there's even certain things where, I mean, like the ancient Greeks um, hypothesized things like atoms before they had any way to to test them. And I think, you know, it shows that humans do have the the ability to to actually see far beyond ourselves, um, at least in ideas. Now, their ideas of atoms were uh, a little bit wrong, shall we say? They thought, you know, if they were, if it was a sharp flavour, it was because it had jagged atoms and things like that on there. And you know, they didn't get it right, but they had this idea of these tiny little particles that. We're in absolutely everything, and they even had ideas of of evolution long before Darwin and and stuff like that as well. Um, but yeah, yeah, there isn't anything they, like that. So mm. there are, yeah, there are a couple of things. Uh, like first of all, I wanted to answer to Dave. Yes, like I think he did. Hume did actually talk about certain things uh, that foreshadowed um, sort of evolution. Uh, in his um, in his dialogues, but but then to go back to your point, I think like is, it's still possible today to be born and and never hear of Christianity until until you die. Yeah, well, right. Schellenberg yeah. actually says this about isolated non-theists. Yeah, like you could you could literally be in an Amazon tribe and not even know who Jesus is, and you exactly. you died not knowing that. So. Yeah, but on yeah, that re- so. in that regard, there is the thing where if if you don't know, then God won't hold it against you, and you'll automatically go to heaven. So in uh, the, some some do say that, I know some disagree with that. But if that's the case, then surely they shouldn't spread the word at all, because then everybody would actually go to heaven. That's an interesting, like because. Yeah, that's because a, like babies, I mean, I babies can't understand or believe in God. But if a baby dies, then it goes to heaven. You know. Yeah, Does that mean we have obligation to kill babies? And <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, we are atheists after all. We have an obligation to kill babies yeah. and stuff and eat them, and like, that's that's our job here. No, I am like, getting hungry. <laughs> yeah. No, I think I think that like I I know that I'm pretty much like sort of spilling over into hiddenness here, but I think that is extremely powerful um, evidence against theism. You know the idea that that sort of people can be born and never hear of of um, Jesus and and Christianity. Like I think that's incredibly unexpected if we grant um, that this deity wants to get in touch. Um, also, like in terms of what afterlife you sort of uh, believe in, uh, if you're a theist, I, I do think that. Of course, I think we would all agree that. Um, views uh, such as eternal conscious torment are pretty much like they they have much higher tension on this point than some other yeah. views and and in general i would say that they're pretty indefensible given given this like if if nothing else hidden is completely kills i think eternal conscious torment like i don't see how how it possibly uh, can be squared 
Uh, but of course, I, I do think the goodness go, goes further than that. I think uh, William Lane Craig actually says that, well, everybody's got access to the Holy Spirit. So if they don't believe, it's their fault still. He actually <laughs> denies that. He actually denies that there's blameless non-belief in one of his uh, Q and A uh, replies. So that, that's oh, crazy. Yeah. Like I, I wouldn't. Ex- uh, I don't. I didn't expect that that from Craig. Honestly, like I, I felt higher of him than to say this. He does say some dumb stuff. Yeah, he does say some dumb stuff from time to time, like like this. Prime <laughs> <Yeah>, example. <laughs> so i mean before we continue um what's the weirdest thing either of you have ever believed on testimony alone and why oh that's a good (laughs) question on testimony alone yeah well when i was a child i believed in santa because my parents told me (laughs) (laughs) that's that's a good one that's going to be hard to top yeah, no, um, there are a lot of beliefs that you, you pick up as a child, aren't there? I mean, it, you're so much more susceptible. You're not as much of a critical thinker. Your your brain hasn't fully developed. And, you know, your your parents are your world. So I think that's something people need to actually go back and reconsider. Everything that they believe from their childhood actually could be wrong because you just accept stuff then. Um, and I think in some respects, Santa is a good learning mechanism for people where they realize that sometimes people lie and we can hold mistaken beliefs um and that perhaps you can't trust everything and you need to think about things and go well yeah actually it it is unrealistic how could one person get around the the entire uh world uh in one night and deliver all these presents and there's all the other inconsistencies as well like why does he get like an Xbox and a PlayStation and I get an orange? That guy's a wanker. Surely, surely, like, you know, there's plenty of justifications for why Santa isn't real, but you just don't think about it at that time because you're caught up in the magic. Yeah, I, I don't know what to answer. Like, I think Santa is probably the, the best. Like, in, in, in our culture, it's actually, it's actually Jesus who brings you presents a bit. It's, it's, not, even, it's not even Santa. Like it's it's Christkind uh, that brings you presents. So 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 I I, I believe that that because of testimony, I guess. And so but, the same as Colombia as well, isn't it? The the baby Jesus brings them presents. Exactly, right? exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. that's <laughs> popular um, here. Like more in Germany than in Italy. Um, but actually, still even even in this area here, I, I think. Um, Baby Jesus brings brings presents is is the one is the one yes uh, but we have we have another character that is very similar to Santa uh, Saint Nicholas and he, he's yes he brings he brings presents a bit earlier um, uh, okay yeah I mean yeah, so Saint, Saint Nicholas uh, well there's there's a few different like people that Santa is based on isn't there um, Sinterklaas and yeah um it yeah, becomes yeah, a but... bit of, i can't remember who they all are off the top of my head my mind went blank as i started what, talking. what, what would be uh like as i don't know past a certain age what would be the most crazy thing you took on testimony because obviously that's yeah, when that's, we are. that's when we're child that's a, that's a yeah. good one um i i i i had um someone when i was a teenager told me that crystals had magic powers 
and I believed him. I was a young teenager, um, and I didn't think about it. That's probably the craziest thing that that I I took as I wasn't an adult. Um, I was probably twelve, thirteen, and I was into reading a lot of fantasy stuff. So my mind was already that way inclined, and someone basically, yeah, yeah, and the, yeah. I think that is probably the craziest thing that I have believed um, as a you know, non-young child. I suppose I was still a child at the time. I don't think there's been anything like that as an adult. Um, there is something, actually, where I should be embarrassed because I think uh, about this one. I briefly, for about two weeks, bought into the anti-vax thing. Really? Um, oh, no. Yeah, yeah. Um, someone told me who was in a position... I mean, they were someone that I trusted. It was basically an argument from authority if we go into it, but they seemed to be talking about it in such a way that it was like, oh, and they told me to look certain things up. And obviously I looked up the things they told me to, and it obviously backs that up. And I was like, no fucking way. This is like, oh my God. And then like, a, I mean, I say two weeks, I don't know how long I went down this path for. It might've been longer than two weeks. It was definitely less than six months. Um, and, but then I started asking them other questions and they started uh, saying things and changing their story. And it was just like, uh, you, you know, the walls crumbled and yeah. a lot of things, they just went, Oh, well, I don't really understand this stuff. You'll have to talk to my friend. She knows all about it and things like that as well. And I was just like, what? And then I started like, right, take, take my step back off and started finding, um, you know, scientific uh, papers on the matter and things like that and looking into it and then learning about this whole anti-vax movement and going, blimey, there are a bunch of crazies out there. And I appreciated how easy it is to get absorbed into something that's crazy as that. Because all it took for me was me just having a casual conversation over dinner and them saying it in a way that I just went, oh, yeah, you know, that, yeah, oh, wow. Or oh. they appealed to the fact at the time that um, uh, since, you know, it's crap, it's a load of crap, but they, they started off with things like appealing to things that they knew I have. So I've got ADHD. And they were like, oh, yeah, you know, people who've had this vaccination and that vaccination have been shown to have um, a higher number of, of um, cases of ADHD and da 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 but, you know, and then all of a sudden they were saying the same things and they were talking about autism instead. And it was then I was looking into it and looking into studies of, well, the correlation, how would this mechanism actually work and how could it be possible? And it was like, okay. But yeah, I mean, that, that's a big embarrassing one, but there you go. I was wrong. And I think that's probably why I wrote so many articles on um uh, uh, you know, vaccinations and common anti-vaccination arguments and, and things like that. Um, even a uh, very tongue-in-cheek why anti-vaxxers are right <laughs> article. Um, because I found through talking uh. to a lot of people on that, people are so steadfast in their position. Um, and this might be something that ties back into testimony, is the fact that people very rarely will admit they're wrong, especially if they've spent a lot of time and energy into a particular belief. Um, so they have been convinced by someone, right or wrong, that you know vaccines are bad, and they've spent their time talking to people and telling everyone else around them. 
and convincing other people, getting them on board and dealing with the backlash of other people to suddenly turn around and go, shit, I was wrong about everything I said. You know, it takes a hell of a lot for a person to do that. So some testimonies could even be given in regard to they may no longer be convinced of it, but because they've said it for so long, they feel they have to say the same thing anyway out of pride. I think yeah, uh, if- Emerson uh, did a good tweet, I think it was a couple of days ago, where he said about young earth creationists, a similar point how like people grow up and they sometimes just take the testimony of their peers at face value. So if I grew up in a young earth creationist family, I probably... I'd definitely be a young earth creationist until, well, at least until I was like a teenager, because I don't, I would just trust the people around me that they'll be telling me the truth. And yeah. I think you also did mention how that we do this as well. If someone tell, told me, oh, why do you think evolution is true? Other than citing the scientific consensus, I wouldn't really be able to give that much yeah. detail to why I think evolution is true. I just, yeah. I accept the scientific consensus on that. On that issue so i think a lot of our beliefs are through testimony just in a very indirect way so i I think it's important to keep that in mind yeah i think i think it's very healthy every now and then to to just remind yourself that you know feeling feeling like you're right feels like it feels exactly the same whether or not you're actually right or whether or not you're you're wrong like it's 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 a sort of stupid point but but it helps to be reminded of that and, and to be all, always sort of alert um and i've i've like i completely agree i've believed a lot of stuff because my family was sort of into it um like for example homeopathy right like i was i was brought up in a family that used it a lot and and therefore i, I used it too so you were um, well hydrated and, yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 and um and I mean, it's good stuff as well, right? It doesn't taste like shit because it's pretty much just uh, sugar. So, so that that's good. And <laughs> and being told that it's also healthy, it's, it's even better. Um, so so yeah, that that is one thing. And and part of my family still still believes in that. And and like, but again, if you don't if you don't even look into this, right? Like, and you if you don't have reason to sort of look into this, then you'll just go on believing this stuff um and and to go back to slightly different point that you made uh joe i think the thing that was i I was talking about earlier about sort of um the resurrection and people just uh sort of uh going with it like even knowing maybe that it was it was untrue just continuing with it was exactly on that note that you mentioned because maybe maybe they were so invested right they spent their entire lives on this and they really believed in the message and they believed in in the truth maybe of it um maybe literally maybe sort of in, in a metaphoric sense but but they saw the value in the teachings and therefore sort of they were so invested in that that they did everything they could to sort of further that narrative so back back at you then uh Alistair, what's what's the craziest thing that you've uh <laughs> accepted as a, a non child <laughs> I must just be a genius because I can't think of anything <laughs> other than uh, other than Santa's a child. I can't like I just can't think of anything crazy to be honest. So yeah, and I mean to be to be fair, I don't think like I don't know if uh, I believed in homeopathy because of testimony. Like I think Santa is a much better example because sort of 
your parents might say something like, oh yeah, I saw him or something like that. But but like homeopathy was more like, you didn't really think about it, right? Like if, if, if you had a headache, then someone handed you this and then you took it. And, and after a while you felt better, I guess. And that's how it, uh, it, it it's not like um, they, they said they saw something or it, it, it's not really that uh, analogous, I guess, for me with, with homeopathy. Yeah, it's it's still it still is yeah, a form maybe, of testimony. But yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I see what you mean. You almost you got the placebo as well, so you had testimony plus yeah. placebo, and that made you more convinced. You probably believed them in the first case because of the testimony. Take this; it'll make you better. Okay, yeah, you have it. You're better. Oh, look, it worked. So you've then got your confirmation yeah. of it going in there. Um, yeah. What about anyone out there? Um, either let us know in the chat or in the comments or, or uh, send us a, a tweet or anything like that. What is the uh, craziest thing that you've accepted um, initially on, on testimony uh, from your teenage years onwards? So not when you were a, a child, because we, we accept everybody accepts absolutely crazy things as uh, yeah. children. Uh, but as an adult, what's something that you've believed just because someone said so, at least in the first instance? You might have then found a further justification for it um, after the fact, but the initial reason you believed it was the testimony. Who was it? Why did you trust them so much? Uh, BT Toast says, uh, I was into crystals and vibrations. So uh, I mentioned, you know, uh, crystals myself. Uh, I didn't, wasn't really into the, the, the vibrations one, but that's that sort of everything has its own frequency, uh, I believe. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong there, BT Toast, but everything has its own frequency that's in tune with everything and everything can be in tune with everything now, else. Now that, he mentioned, now that he mentions it, I think... Actually, this is actually maybe a better example. Uh, I mean, I was pretty young still, but but I read this like the the secret book. <laughs> I don't know if you're familiar. Oh like, yeah, oh yeah, that, that load. Yeah, I, someone I bought like, it to me. I haven't read it. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw like I think I bought it in a uh, yeah like just I don't know. It had a pretty cover or something. I was like, oh, the secret or something, and, and then I, I was reading it. I don't even know if I if I finished the book, but I, I remember for a while I was like sort of into, but it it lasted very like it was maybe a couple like maybe two months or something because I then tested it some somewhat and then like it didn't really work the way it was supposed to work, and then I was like very quickly picking up on the idea that maybe maybe it's just supposed to be this way and then you know you sort of trying to justify every time it it goes wrong you're saying oh i did something wrong somewhere um and and that maybe is the best example because like the, the book said so uh, <laughs> therefore, uh, yeah uh, yeah sorry yeah. to to sidetrack us there but it, it was sort of tied into to testimony so i, I figured it was relevant <laughs> and i am yeah, interested yeah, yeah. If, like, uh, in other people's opinions on this as well yeah for for a while actually i don't know part of that book still had some effect on me i don't remember why because i i stopped believing in it for a while maybe maybe it was more in the negative negative sense that i noticed something you know because when you think about something negative you know you tend to see everything as a negative and then negative stuff happens and then you're like oh this was because of because i was thinking the negative stuff 
And uh, it, I remember for a while I was like, uh, not really afraid of getting on planes, but I was nervous because I was like, oh, I can't think that something bad will happen. Otherwise, it, it might increase the probability of, of, of the plane actually crashing or something like that. <laughs> it, was, it was really like, yeah, I, I realized how ridiculous that sounds, but that's sort of a, a healthy thing to, to remind myself, I guess, as well, of, of how vulnerable this sort of stuff it's it's good to be aware i think that we we have been wrong we can be wrong that we are fallible and when we think we're right and someone says something contrary to the case not to go well i've already got this belief so i'm going to hold on to it go oh tell me a bit more about that because i could be wrong and you have the conversation and you know maybe their testimony <laughs> will convince you uh Otherwise, uh, maybe they can provide you some information. Um, a lot of things that are in the world, you know, that are, are physical claims, you you can have some sort of a test for and evidence and lots of studies. And if you don't go around the whole conspiracy theorist, everyone's lying to you route, you you can you can actually you know get some decent evidence to support what is most likely the case at least. Um, but then you're going beyond testimony. And I think that where we can, we should go beyond testimony. Because if you haven't learned anything tonight, or if you have learned anything tonight, it's that testimony is definitely fallible. Yes. Yes. I love, like, I love, I love Dave's take. Uh, he apparently used to believe that atheism was more than just a lack of belief in God. That's hilarious, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> How did you ever believe such an absurd thing? Of course, it's just a lack of belief in God. <laughs> um, oh, God. I, I mean, Alistair, what, what's your opinion? I know we're going a little bit off-piste again, but uh, Dave, Dave's obviously joking, and we've had this conversation a number of times, but what, what is your take on the whole yeah. lack of belief thing on, on the internet? I've had this conversation like a thousand times on Twitter as well, and I think just from... I think the lack of belief definition is just a bad definition in terms of utility and just trying to convey to the other person what you mean when you say you're an atheist. So I think the best way to define atheism is just in terms of negation of theism, because we already understand theism as a proposition that God exists. So why wouldn't we define atheism in terms of theism? So it, it just—it's really frustrating convo to actually have. With yeah, it. Definitely, yeah, and and so one of the common objections that you might get to it is a no, it's not a proposition; it's the belief God exists. And then you go, well, yes, but it's an ism, so it's the concept, so it's talking about something believed. Therefore, the propositional content of the belief, rather than an active belief in the ist, which is the person. So your theism is the proposition at least one God exists and you go down this whole path and they just say, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do like the uh, distinction between global and local atheists. atheists Me as well. I think that that is a useful, if we're going to add a word like before atheism, 
would be would be those, not agnostic atheism, which oh, that's just ridiculous. makes no sense to me. <laughs> no, it doesn't make any yeah, sense, okay. really. It's, it's either superfluous or nonsensical, depending on you know what definitions you're using. I've even spoken to a number of self-proclaimed agnostic atheists, and they all defined agnostic atheism differently. And when you actually you know took it down and taught, said, right, if this means this and this means this, then you understand that um, knowledge is a subset of belief, and therefore you're already saying that you don't have any knowledge. So saying, I don't have any knowledge, but by the way, I don't have any knowledge. Uh, essentially, um, uh, and it, go down so many different paths. I put a post of that on it's like, what, reason as well. What are they? Are they? Are they agnostic about that they Being have a atheist. lack of belief, <laughs> or are they agnostic? <laughs> or what are they? Uh, it's just very confusing yeah, to me. What are they? <laughs> that's as well. Like that's a complete failure of, of the of the four quadrant uh, graph because in terms of theism, they they'll have no problem. You know that they don't know about. Uh, you know doesn't know that God exists or stuff like that. But but when they go to the atheism side, all, all of a sudden, you know, they, they don't say that they know or don't know that they lack a belief because that wouldn't make sense. But they use atheism as lack of belief. So it's like it's 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 in it's a mess. That whole thing is is a total mess. Yeah, another um, another thing is if atheism is a lack of belief, then uh, in gods, then that what they're essentially saying is I'm an atheism rather than I'm an atheist. <laughs> Because <laughs> again, it doesn't make sense if you're defining atheism as a lack of belief in gods. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, and and then you get the ones that claim they have no beliefs whatsoever, and you're just like, ah, oh, yeah, that's, I'm, that's I'm sure you, I'm sure you believe sponge. that. <laughs> no, I don't believe yeah. that. So you don't believe yeah. that you have no beliefs. <laughs> so you believe that you don't believe that you do believe. <laughs> Yeah, they either know, but they don't believe, of course, right? Like that. <laughs> I just know stuff, right? They don't believe stuff. Why would you believe? I just know stuff. Or they'll go completely, like, even even crazier. I've seen, uh, yeah, it's 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 a bit of a shame, honestly, um, that, that that is sort of the state of a lot of the atheists, at least online atheist community. Um but yeah, yeah, you, you can't prove a negative, by the way. So why? Oh my why are you an atheist? It triggers me so much. You have no idea. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. I've had enough of those conversations as well. I think that's why I tend to do my best. I still get drawn into the conversations, but I do my best to stay away from so many uh, social media conversations these days because yeah, no, I, I was I was once much more active. Than, than I am now. I tend to sort of leave it there and try not to not to engage that much because it's just it completely ruined my like, my mental health. Yeah, uh, definitely. I, points. I took a week break like a while ago and it definitely improved my mental health, but yeah. I just get sucked back into it because it's I don't know. Just when you yeah, see no, wrong stuff you want to correct it. It's just yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's just an instinct. Yeah, I I, I totally understand. I know what you mean. But I think sometimes you got to take almost uh, uh, if you you are going to engage, give someone like two or three posts to uh, you know actually see if they are going to open up and start considering things in a different way. If they literally just stonewall, um, and you can see that they're going to be this unimmovable target that's just gonna just go no 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 into complete denialist mode, then just go. Okay then, just try and walk away yeah, from that conversation. Like, I, I don't want to 
uh, sort of bunch all all of the people who prefer that definition together because I've definitely had some conversation with some some persons that that were decent uh, and and I think helpful and and I'm trying to sort of keep uh, their perspective as well in in mind um, but like there's a lot of just being extremely sort of dogmatic on on the definition um, and and just very very unhealthy discussion around that sort of topic. Um, I think the the American atheist website explicitly yeah. claims that yeah. the traditional definition yeah. is tainted by theistic by bias theist, and religion. Yes, kind of. Yes, uh, I just don't know where it's usually some like political motivation that comes into this. I just don't understand where that yeah, comes like, from. It's it's uninformed at best because like it's very uncontroversial to say like if you want to say something at least say that you know there are these two definitions that are both in use it's not like oof. like I, i'm i'm happy to admit that there are two definition definitions that atheism is policy miss right? like there's there's no issue in there i think I, I will get like i will explain why i prefer one over the other but i'm i'm not going to say just this, this one is the only one that exists and everything else is sort of um a conspiracy or something it's it's just that's the way the conversation goes you you can actually say well actually atheism atheism is polysimus it's got you know that means it's got a number of different definitions it's been used for a a number of different ways this is how it was used in history this is my justification for preferring this one no it's only a lack of belief it says so on the american atheist website or aaron moir says all other (laughs) definitions are wrong and it's like right Okay, uh, how can a, a definition be wrong? I mean, apart from contextually wrong, um, how can it be wrong? And if you're thinking contextually wrong, well, it's uh, we're talking about philosophy, and how is it usually defined within philosophy? I mean, there are it's defined differently in philosophy as well, but there is a more common definition used in philosophy. Yeah, um, I wouldn't have as much issue with it if, like loads of people who use it usually it usually comes along with a lot of other takes yes. and other yes. viewpoints which are just um just embarrassing to the online yes. atheist community it's um, it's yes. just very frustrating to see all this behavior grouped in with this label as well so it is yeah, like it, it is a high predictor of some other takes like if, if you define it this way then probably you also you know, sort of make make certain comparisons between God and Santa and, <laughs> and, other, and other stuff, right? Like, I've seen this a, a lot. Um, you'll claim that you only lack a belief, but then you'll say that God is imaginary and something that's yeah, imaginary is exactly, something without exactly. any objective reality, which means it doesn't exist. So if you think it's imaginary, then you think it does not exist. If you think it does not exist, you <laughs> believe it does not exist. No, I only lack a belief. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah. <laughs> uh, poor really, epistemological really and logical understandings and uh, misunderstandings of rationality. Um, a high degree of moral subjectivism without actually understanding what they mean by moral subjectivism. I mean, there's some good subjective uh, arguments, you know, for, for, for different forms of subjectivism. Um, but, I, I mean, I don't agree with them. But when you engage with with uh, the, the lack of belief atheists and why they think it's subjective, it's very, very, very basic. Well, that's just it is. That's the way it works because it doesn't come from God, so it is. And that's their entire argument on, on the thing you yeah. like. Uh, and and it usually is also accompanied by a um, like dismissal of philosophy as a whole, 
which is like the worst <laughs> that's the worst thing that anyone probably can can say to me at least like in in conversation that sort of turns me off uh, immediately like my interest usually but but yeah i i mean i think we we covered and we all interacted with these people uh, unfortunately online yeah. and it gets frustrating but yeah Sorry, yeah. I, I pulled us away from the topic again. I'm bad at that. <laughs> so, um, where are we on on testimony and miracles? Was there anything else that we we need to to cover off? No, I think I think we pretty much covered it. I think like unless you have something else, um, I think that the whole sort of uh, hiddenness discussion at the end, uh, when it comes to miracles, is sort of a fitting. Um, capstone, capstone in, in in a sense. But but if you have anything to add, Alistair, like I'm happy to. I think we've covered all the bases. I think. So, yeah. Okay. So maybe maybe we should just do a quick rundown. I'm gonna ask you to give, um, you know, the 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 basic definition of, um, say like a miracle again, an actual miracle rather than the colloquial miracle. So a miracle is a violation of the laws of nature. And a more colloquial definition of a miracle would be some very unlikely event or some weird coincidence that happens to line up in life, which inevitably will happen because improbable events happen all the time. So that's that's the main distinction which you keep in mind. The miracle is violation of the laws of nature. So, I mean, that in itself is what needs to be remembered when you're having these conversations and when people use the word miracle. Um, quite a lot of the time, they're not actually talking about a miracle. They're being, you know, uh, very informal with their, their usage. Um, we've also discussed tonight a number of issues with testimony. Um, we covered off the issues with testimony in greater detail a couple of weeks ago with Bearded Heretic. Uh, so if you're interested in more about the issues of testimony, check out Are You Sure About That? And obviously we've discussed that uh, <laughs> the testimony issue in relation to miracles is the fact that, well, there isn't really anything that can justify believing a miracle based purely on the testimony. And we discussed a number of ways that uh, you could set up potentially an experiment or an experience that would validate believing in a miracle. But to date, there hasn't been one yet. And there's no reason to believe any of the miracles that have been claimed to happen throughout history in all the different religions actually existed existed actually happened do you guys have anything you'd like to add i think that's a fair way that's a fair to way summarize. to summarize yes awesome well in that case um thank you very much for joining us tonight alistair it's nice to finally talk to you yeah it's been a pleasure yes. thanks for having me <laughs> and of course uh thank you philip as as always it's great to have you on and, thank you. And to everyone else out there in the uh, internet land, either those that watch live, interacted in the chat, or those that are catching the rerun or listening to the podcast version of this, thank you very much. Uh, so, oh, and don't forget to check out Faulkner, Miller, and uh, Lackey on testimony. So that's just come in from Dave right at the end. Um, so uh, thank you for that recommendation, Dave, as well. I will pretend that yeah. I'm going to put it into the notes um, but I always forget <laughs> I'll 
Yeah, I, I want to sort of link, I don't know if we have time now, but I would like to link the discussion between uh, uh, Arif Ahmed and uh, uh, Ontology, uh, which is Alex Malpass's uh, podcast, because that was a great sort of, uh, we referenced that a bunch of times and maybe put a link to the paper. I think that is uh, relevant. That'd be absolutely great. I mean, if you can send me both of those links, um, or, mm-hmm. or even you've got the ability to edit stuff on our, our YouTube page anyway, haven't you? So Do, do, do I? I, <laughs> I, I think I gave the ability to. Uh, I, I, wow, that's new powers. Yeah, you got, okay. you got all the powers. I'm definitely not going to abuse that. <laughs> anyway, here's the link if someone wants to check it out. Awesome. Uh, Thank you very much for that, Philip. So you've been watching the uh, Fresh Air Sci-Fi show and we've been discussing Testimony and Miracles. I'm Joe. I'm Philip. I'm Alistair. And have a good night, everyone. Good night.